Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our new guest host, Bruce. How are you doing, Bruce? Doing great, Lukey. How about you? Phenomenal as always. So Bruce comes to us with a long tenured career as in, in consulting and uh, is a longtime uh, friend and, and colleague. Um, so Bruce, what would you say you're up to uh, these days? Yeah, so these days I'm still in consulting. Uh, as you as you know, I spent 22 years in consulting at Deloitte. And six months ago, I made a switch from Deloitte to join a small consulting company and uh, helping them build their Coupa practice internally here. Sounds good. And for those that don't know, Coupa is a procurement tool, whatever, not necessarily the focus of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get more into your story and some of the stuff that you wish you knew earlier. So if you can kind of rewind back in time and tell us a little bit about Bruce as a kid. So what were you like growing up? What were some early fond childhood memories? Yeah, so so growing up, I would say I was a very shy kid, very quiet. Uh, I still feel like I'm a little bit like that these days, <laughs> uh, but I've broken out of my shell a little bit, but always very curious, uh, always wanting to learn things and always taking things apart. I wanted to learn how things worked. So if something was broken, I would take it apart and figure out, try to really spend time figuring out how it worked and seeing if I could put it back together. And hopefully it still worked when I, hopefully it was working when I was done. So. Sounds good. And I guess you, you started your career at, on the engineering side. So it sounds like that there's a little bit of that influence there. Were there other uh, influence at play? So, so parents, siblings, cousins, or, or folks around you, uh, what influenced you kind of early on in your career? I think my, my parents were definitely a big influence on me growing up. They really instilled the importance of school for me and really getting a good education. We moved around a lot growing up. So like when I was, when I was a kid, we were moving almost every two years. Okay. So I got to experience a lot of different things. I think that's maybe like always making changes is what, why I was a little bit shy was I was always thrown into new situations and always kind of took my time to, to learn where I was. And I felt like sometimes by the time I got to really feeling comfortable, I was off to a new place right. and kind of starting over. Uh, but I think that's like my, my shyness and my inquisitiveness really led to me really just wanting to learn along the way. Sounds good. And in school, was that, uh, that you were a good student and, and kind of brought in the, the A's and, and all that sort of stuff? Or were you a little bit more challenged because you were more shy or reserved or was there something else? Yeah, I was, I'd say generally a good student. I, I, I was always kind of really close to the top of my class, mm. uh, really all the way through high school. And then when I went to college, I think that's when I maybe had my little bit of a rebellion. Then my <laughs> first year in college, I honestly almost, almost failed out. Okay. Uh, and really kind of had to do a reset and think about what, what I wanted to do to be successful in life. Uh, so I did switch schools and, and really, really focused on school after that. I was going to school for engineering, 
And I think those of us that have gone through, gone to school for engineering know it's pretty tough. And like, I, I think I wasn't ready for it the first year and, and really had to, to, to really take a step back and, and get back into it. And before we get into to that, I would love if you shared a little bit more on the journey to uh, engineering. So you're in school, high school, you're, you're probably doing pretty well. Did, was there like a natural um, gravitation towards like the sciences and engineering and things like that? Or were there some other forces at play? I was always good at math. So I I always liked math. I liked computers. I, I liked writing programs. So I wrote my first computer program when I was 12. Okay. And so I, I really, I liked computers, like I said, like computers, like programming, like math. And when I, when I was in high school, computers, like computer engineering really wasn't a thing that existed. Right. I think it was really starting to come into to play a few years later. Uh, but I think my love for math really kind of told me, oh, engineering would probably be a, a pretty good field to go into. Okay. And that's really what drove me to the engineering world. Yeah. And when you pick the college, do you have to pick like a, a particular type of engineering or was it just engineering as a generic discipline or was there like mechanical, electrical and, and chemical and all this? Sort of stuff? Yeah, I, 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 I picked mechanical engineering. I think knowing that I like to understand how things work and put, taking things apart and putting them back together, I thought mechanical engineering made a lot of sense for me. And that's how I ended on, on that uh, topic for school. Sounds good. And when you were heading into the, the, the college and stuff, were there other um, choices and things like that? Or is it really, me- no, just full, full steam ahead on mechanical engineering? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I, I definitely thought mechanical engineering is what I'm going to do. It's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. It, it, I, I felt like that was my passion at the time. And little did I know that uh, I would end up doing something completely different throughout my career. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, I went through a, a few different career progressions and, and changes. And I think I finally landed in a spot that I, I really feel comfortable in. Sounds good. And you alluded to a little bit um, before where you started in mechanical engineering and first year uh, didn't turn out uh, as you would have hoped. So can, can you describe a little bit of, of that experience and, and how uh, kind of you dealt with those challenges? Yeah. So, I mean, why, why wasn't my first year of engineering school great? <laughs> Uh, well, first of all, I joined a fraternity okay. and really spent a lot of time in the fraternity. I I did probably drink a little too much. Uh, that's probably part of being, a, you know, part of being in a fraternity. And I really lost sight of all my classes and, and actually attending classes. I, I did skip a lot. And there were a couple classes where I did pretty badly. Yeah, and and if you can kind of share, because obviously that's not the end of the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so what what was the I guess the awakening point or the realization point to say this has got to change and I got to do something else? Yes. No, that's that's really great question. So what what made me change my mind and and really turn things around? I had a scholarship to go to school, and the company I had this so. With engineering, a lot of times you co-op also and and work with a company during the summertime or on your, you work a semester, go to school a semester. And the company that I had my scholarship through required me to keep my grades at a certain grade point average. And I knew if I didn't turn things around, 
and bring my grade point average up that I would lose that scholarship. So that was really my awakening was, okay, I, if I want to keep the scholarship and actually finish school, I really need to turn things around. Yeah, it was well, similar but different for me where uh, I almost failed out of my first year too. I'm not sure if you know that, but um, I did it because I thought I was uh, too smart. So I had what they call like a fixed mindset. And having a fixed mindset, you, you think that uh, like you have it or you don't. So uh, I basically didn't study. <laughs> and when you don't study in, in elementary school, in high school, you can sort of get away with it. But in the university, you need to study. You need to pay attention. So I, I got a, an, an envelope from the re registrar's office talking about how I uh, might be removed. And that was my awakening. <laughs> it wasn't so much uh, the, the the scholarship, but it was, it was, it was something similar. So can, can you walk us through a little bit about that that recovery phase, right? So how, how did you, you said, I think you, you switched to another school and things like that. So what, what was that process like? Yeah, so I, I did switch to another school. I switched to a school closer closer to home. I actually went back to living at home and went to school. And I was actually doing several jobs at the same time. So I found other ways to occupy my time. So I delivered newspapers in the morning uh, before school. And then I would either go to school or I would go to my co-op job. And then after that, I worked at Domino's Pizza delivering pizza. And then on the, on the weekends, I worked at a Goodyear store, changing tires and doing oil changes. So I've really found a way to fill all my time where I couldn't go off and do crazy things and fail out of school. So it really made me structure my life and structure everything I was doing so that I would spend, I still, so I still had the, so to be able to have the time to spend on doing all my school stuff, I really had to focus in the free time that I had. It reminds me of the expression like uh, to the effect of like idle hands uh, kind of go wild or something like that. So when yeah. you have too much yeah. time and sometimes uh, crazy things happen, but when it's structured and, and you're more occupied, then it's less likely for you to, to, to do that craziness unless it's part of your schedule somehow. But, um, I'd love if you shared a little bit. Didn't have time <laughs> for it. If, if you can share a little bit about uh, the, the experience uh, as you're transitioning into the working world, right? So was it was it easy to land your, your first job uh, as an engineer now that you had the kind of the, you still stayed in the mechanical engineering program or did you switch programs as well? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it was actually very easy for me to land my first job because the company that I had the scholarship with that helped put me through school that I co-opt with, the one of the requirements was that you actually had to work for them for two years after you graduated. So that was very easy to land my first job because it was almost a requirement of my scholarship. So I was kind of, yeah. kind of lucky there. And was it what you expected as kind of the first job? Obviously you would have had some prior experience with a, with a co-op. Like was the role the same after you came into the like work full time or, or is it different? Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely got more responsibility when I joined, uh, but the, the job was, I think, exactly what I expected. And I actually enjoyed doing engineering work, but what happened was I started to, to realize that there was a lot of things that in the engineering world at that time, they, they did by hand. They did all their calculations by hand. And I started writing programs to actually automate a lot of the calculations that we were doing in our, in our department. And I came to find out that I actually like writing programs 
better than the actual engineering work that I was doing. So it kind of took me back to like when I was 12 years old and wrote my first program. I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. And I actually ended up leaving the company that I was working for and took a programming job at a bank in the Cleveland area. And that's that's that was the starting of me moving to moving in a very different direction than I was. And yeah. So you went from mechanical engineering more into like the, the technology side. I think one one takeaway I had for that is uh be mindful of some of those things that you were interested in as as a as a kid, right? So maybe it was just a passing fad, like okay, yeah, yeah. I, I coded a program when I was twelve years old, but maybe explore those uh, when you're when you're done whatever program and see if they resurface to something else because it could turn into a new career direction or uh, something more fruitful uh, later on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then what what happened after I took a programming job? I I did that for for a little while and I did, I did enjoy it, but I happened to meet somebody at the bank who was in procurement and he, I helped him pull some data out of Oracle and helped him do a few other things with, with the data that he was looking at. And he asked me to come join him in procurement. So I went to work. So I, I switched from the department I was in and went to the procurement department and became a liaison between procurement and the IT organization there. And that's what the, the CPO, the chief procurement officer at the bank at the, at the time decided that, that we were going to implement a new system for procurement. And I, we, we did implement that system. And at the end of that project, I, I thought, wow, that was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that implementation. And I ended up taking a job at a small consulting firm uh, after that project to basically do the same thing again. So, uh, and that was, you know, back, that was 1999 when, when all of this happened and I ended up, you know, doing this project and then eventually joining a small consulting firm that, and and that's, that was my, my first foray into consulting at that time. Yeah. And if you could share a little bit about, uh, kind of that consulting experience, because I mean, it doesn't sound like you went to school for consulting and learn all the, the tricks of the trade. So how did you uh, pick up those those consulting skills um, as, as you kind of transitioned in? Yeah, I, and it's strange that I ended up in consulting because the, the jobs that I had before consulting, I hated consultants. I thought they were the one, I thought consultants were the people who came in and looked at things and basically came back with answers to take to management and I always felt like they were; these were the things that we were already telling management, but they weren't listening to us. Uh, but the consultants come in and say it, and it's like, okay, let's go do that now. So right. uh, when I went into consulting, I, I kept that very close to heart, knowing that maybe the people I'm working for really don't like consultants. And I tried to see things from from their view. Uh, but I'll, like, I'll be honest, I had no training on how to be a consultant. And I remember my first project. So I, I started at this consulting firm and I had never done a consulting project before. They sent me to the client site and I was so scared. Like, like I knew the system we were implementing, but I didn't know the first thing about how to interact with the client and, and really what my first few days and weeks would be like. 
but I always kind of just thought back to my previous interactions with consultants and and how they like what they did and what I didn't like about what they did and tried to adjust what I was doing based on that. So, but it was really a very scary situation for me. Like it was a completely different thing that I'd ever done to, to go ahead and do that. Sounds good. And for those folks that, that they're on a ways or aren't aware. So Bruce and I know each other way back when from the consulting procurement world at, at Deloitte. And it's very reminiscent of probably the, the project where I first met you where I was going in and, and um, implementing a new technology. So there's one of the modules in that procurement suite. And I didn't really know what I was doing. And I would be reading the manual on the plane <laughs> ride or, or the at the hotel room. Like, I don't know if Bruce was aware of this. And I was stressed out to no end <laughs> and trying to do as good consultants do and, and play the part and be good with clients and, and um, all that. Meanwhile, like it's, it's kind of like that, that duck swimming where calm on the surface, but like, frantically yeah. <laughs> paddling your your feet un underwater right so sounds very uh reminiscent to, to kind of my early consulting days as, as well so that was i guess the start of the consulting career and then you've always had a, a very fruitful one at uh, a, a larger consulting company so if you can summarize a little bit of some of those experiences maybe some of the learnings at, at, at deloitte then that would be uh that would be great yeah so i after the small consulting firm i did end up joining deloitte and Really, that was a, a great experience. Like, there was very good training on how to be a consultant. Uh, there, our, I think our projects were very structured and very, very thoughtful around how we approached our clients and, and how we actually executed on projects. So I did, did learn. I mean, I spent 22 years at Deloitte. So I, to summarize it all in a, in a few minutes would be even possible. <laughs> But I, I did I, I did learn a lot of things, which I, I know at the end we'll talk about stuff I wish I knew earlier. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a lot of my a lot of the things that I'll talk about when when we when we talk about that is is really what I learned in the 22 years while I was working at Deloitte. It's an amazing organization to 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 start a career or to to continue a career and to learn things. Uh, and and to be able to explore and do different things. I mean, while while I personally have, I really did the same. I would say I kind of been doing the same thing for twenty five years now, delivering the same types of projects. And if in consulting you have that opportunity to go do different things, go try different things, and and find the one thing that you're passionate about doing, and that's yeah. I, I think the beauty of the consulting world. Yeah, in my time at consulting, I actually used to be part of or one of the leads for the campus recruiting program. And I found that there's a, a trend recently where a lot of folks, um, well, there used to be folks who, who didn't know what they wanted to do when they grew up. Um, now they want to do consulting so they can go out in industry, so they can figure out what they want to do because they get to yeah. touch all these different areas and hopefully find an area that they can kind of park themselves in later on. So I found that to be uh, an interesting trend uh, that's there. But uh, yeah, so 22 years, again, you can't necessarily summarize. We'll probably focus more when we get to the, the stuff I wish on you yeah. in a little bit. And then that kind of takes you to the last couple of months where you've uh, kind of decided to make a, a small pivot <laughs> to, to another firm yeah. and, and we can uh, end off that and then get into the, the, the stuff you wish on you earlier. So if you can share a little bit of that transition. Yeah, so the, the transition... I mean, I like I, like I really was not looking to leave Deloitte, but 
this small consulting firm came came looking for me and and made me made a made a compelling offer to me to to come to come over and really it's it's been so I, like I said it's been six months since I switched and it's been it's been a great journey it's a very it's compar- comparatively in size it's a it's a small consulting firm uh, like it's a it's the kind of place where you can get to know everybody in the firm and really have one-on-one co- conversations very easily so it's it's been it's it's been a great six months since I switched that's awesome and I'm curious and interested to get into the the stuff that you wish you knew earlier uh, especially on the, the big chunk of your Deloitte career so uh, I don't know how, I don't know how many of them that you have <laughs> if you can kind of start going through them and maybe therefore younger Bruce at in 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 high school in that first year of college there might have been a couple of them there <laughs> and probably throughout your career as well yeah I would say most of my most of the stuff I wish I knew earlier that I that I'll talk about is is really for somebody who's going into consulting Okay. And it, it may it, it can also apply, I think, to other careers, but they some of these will be very consulting focused, but you can apply them elsewhere. Uh, the, the first thing, the, the hardest thing when I joined Deloitte was this concept of a coach. So all my other jobs in life, I had a boss. And my boss was really the person who told me what to do and the person that you reported to you and, and got all your information. When you join consulting, you have a coach and the coach is not your boss. Nah. And it took me a long time to figure out how important the coach is in developing your career and giving you guidance. Uh, and the first coach I had when I joined Deloitte, I feel like was not a very good coach. Nah. And that was that made it harder for me to understand the value of the coach. So- it, it took me about two years till I really understood what a coach is supposed to do and how you should interact with your coach. And there, you know, it's the, the coach in the consulting world is the person who is supposed to give you guidance, let you know what you're doing, what, what you need to change around what you're doing, gives you guidance on what types of projects you should do, who, who you should network with internally. Uh, and the most important thing around the coaches, they're the ones that represent you at the year-end meetings. That And the year-end meetings are where the ratings that you have and ratings equal what your bonus and your salary increase will be. So that one person has, I'm not going to say they have control over what happens, but they have a lot of input into your career and into really what happens at this, this year-end meeting. So it has to be somebody who can represent you and and accurately portray what you've done in the in the past year. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing is really how important a coach is in your career in a consulting organization. I think you could loosely take that and and apply that to your boss and in in, in any job that you have, uh, but it is a little bit different. So, and I would say on that one where um, I mean the concept of the coach is a little bit different in in industry because as you said. Um, they, they represent you, but what you might want to find, um, in an organization is kind of like a mentor. Cause I do did find, yeah. I was lucky to have a couple of good coaches and, uh, a lot of the mentorship that they provided is just, Hey, here are a couple of options, maybe pointing out a couple of blind spots after I share them, uh, w- with them. 
And uh, yeah, some of my, I asked to become my coach <laughs> as well, because if you're in consulting, yeah. you might actually be able to, to, to make that uh, proposition as well. So that's something that uh, you also might want to consider for those not in consulting, find, find mentors that can be your coaches um, and, and kind of advocate you. Um, sometimes they call them sponsors or whatever, but there's a whole bunch of different things that could be useful as well. Yeah. I'd say like find people that you you've kind of look up to and you aspire to be like, and that's a good person to be a coach or a sponsor or a mentor. Like the, it's, it's always good to, to find those people and can really align with them. And even if they're not your coach, they can officially be somebody who mentors you on the side. Sure. What are some of the other swipe that you do want to share? So, so yeah. So next I would say just learn the value of networking out there in the world. So I think in consulting, you need to network internally. So you get, you need to get to know the people that work in the area that you're working in. And then in other areas of the consulting firm, you really get, you really need to get to know them. Uh, there's a few reasons for that. One is they are the, they, they could be people who influence the decisions that happen at year end from a, from a performance rating uh, perspective. But they are also people that as they get to know you, they may want to staff you on a project. And in consulting, being staffed on a project is really important. Uh, you always want to be working on a project to, uh, when you're in the consulting world. So the bigger your network is internally, the bigger chance you have of being staffed on a project. And then from an external perspective, especially when you're at lower levels, you may think that networking with your clients and getting to know them and keeping in touch with them really isn't that important because you're you're just at a lower level. Uh, but what you, what you don't think about is you're going to progress in your career and so are the people that you're currently working with on the client site. So one day that person may be a very important person in their company and you're going to be wanting to sell things to important people at companies. And you're, you're going to, if you keep in touch with them, you're going to have those connections very easily. For sure. And for me on the networking side, uh, again, that's uh, definitely a skill uh, or a concept that I wish I knew earlier because I didn't really put too much um, in, into that. So obviously we, we connected often um, and we yeah. stay in touch, um, but that was more um, just out of the nature of the work, but also uh, if, if we cultivate that a little bit more and to your point about the external folks, I think I wish I, I stay connected with more of those folks more. Uh, and now I'm actually doing okay where I'm trying to reconnect <laughs> with folks. Um, and it's definitely proven to be yeah. to, super helpful because, uh, when you move up, other people move up and sometimes they're in places where, where, uh, you didn't think they could be helpful before, but now they can be. So yeah, good point. Yeah, and even if it's been this, even if it's been like ten years since you connected with somebody, still reach out, like still reach out and try to rekindle those those connections that you had at some point. The like I've I have found that people that I didn't connect with in many years are always willing to reconnect and chat and talk about something. So, for sure, probably case in point. I don't know when the last time we talked to each other was probably a while, and then now you're you're yeah. on the podcast, so. Uh, it definitely networking uh, works. So, uh, what what else do you have for us, Bruce? I'd say just be agile in in especially in consulting. Just be agile in always learning. So be ready to to shift focus and do something else. And 
try to find something that you're passionate about and something that you enjoy doing when I, and this sound probably sounds so cliche, but like when you're doing something that you really enjoy, it's almost like it's not working. Uh, and that's like, I've, I've been doing, doing this basically the same thing for 25 years and I really enjoy it. And it, like most days I don't feel like I'm working extremely hard to, to do things because I actually enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. So. What what comes to mind is, uh, I mean, the typical um, Steve Jobs like commencement speech, where where apparently he says something like like do what you love. But I actually found that it's often misquoted, where he actually says love what you do, right? Because if I were to go back and say, hey, you're gonna do like procurement and supply chain and stuff, it's like like why would I want to do that? That doesn't sound fun or or, or what have you. But it's yeah. actually not about that. It's about the interaction, the problem solving, the helping the people and building things and all that sort of stuff and interacting and mentoring others. That was the part that I loved and enjoyed. And it, it happened to be in procurement, but it could have possibly been in somewhere else as, as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be um, the stuff that you love where you love basketball, it has to be basketball, that sort of thing. It could be something around it uh, based on a uh, part of it that you love as well. Yeah. Yeah. So then I think I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of think I was kind of thinking through all the things as, as I start my career and then as I start to become, become experienced and then what I do after I'm experienced. So like, I think one thing, if the, the next thing is really just become an expert in something. Mm-hmm. If you be like, you need to be known for something. So people will come to you for help on things. And that's, that's how you are able to go out and sell projects and, and, and really stay utilized on projects for the most part. So I think first become an expert and then figure out how to sell yourself. That That's something that's really hard for people to do is to go out there and say, this is what I'm really good at and how can I help you with your problems? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a big transition to go from learning, 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 being coached, becoming an expert, now you have to go out and sell yourself. Uh, and it's a, I think that's, to me, that's like a big transition for a lot of people to make in the consulting world. For sure. As you get to know senior levels, you're expected to like bring in the business, right? Because you got to take care of the, your, your team underneath you. You're not just the one being staffed on the projects. So you have to go out and make the projects to be staffed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I would say, one of the big things that I've been doing in the last few years and I'm, I'm very passionate about is like give back as a coach, mm-hmm. like somebody coached you. Now it's your turn to go. You, you've made it to a certain level and it's your turn to go coach somebody else and, and help make them successful. Uh, and one of the, one of the things I, I, I've said a lot of times and I, I really feel passionate about this is great leaders make more great leaders. Mm-hmm. So if you're not out there trying to make more great leaders and maybe they'll be better than you, you hope, you hope so, yeah. uh, then I don't think you're a, really a great leader out there. So find ways to make, to help other people be successful yourself. Yeah. And I would also put that on the other side where a, a lot of, uh, students or young professionals are like, well, I could, why am I reaching out to this very senior person? How, why would I add any value to them? And and sometimes it's the fact that you want to be coach and, and you'll listen and actually do what yeah. they hear. That's what they want. They want to be able to give back and do that. So don't, uh, 
don't be so selfish <laughs> and not let them do it. So uh, allow that that coaching to help as well. So be don't be afraid to to reach out to folks. Not all of them will be great coaches, uh, and as you said, not all of them are great leaders. But uh, stick and and stay connected with the ones that are, and and your career will do well. Yeah, and I th- I've made the last piece. I you already said it, but you said it better than I than I was going to because I was going to say I love what you're doing, but I really love the spin you put on it. Do what you love, and that's. You re- that you really should do that. It's it will make it'll make you want to 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 actually work. Yeah. Uh, so it, I think I said love what you do or do what you love. I, uh, so it's it's either of the two. <laughs> if you if you can yeah. do what you love and love what you do, then then you win. <laughs> I think that that's yeah. a, a great thing. So uh, thanks so much, Bruce, for sharing the, the stuff that you wish you knew earlier. Um, if folks want to. Uh, reach out to you where could they uh connect with you and uh, are there any future aspirations where we can look forward to hearing more about uh in the near future uh, i think to reach out to me is really linkedin is probably the easiest way uh-huh. i think he i think in the show notes you can you can certainly put my email address also yeah so happy to happy to, to have people reach out either way aspirations uh i just hope Hope to really continue to grow in my career a little bit more. I, you know, I've spent 25 years in in the procurement world, uh, but I think I really just want to help people grow in their own careers. So I'm going to spend most of my t- most most of my time. I'm going to focus more on helping develop others uh, to be successful on their own. Sounds good, and it seems like that's the the mark of a great leader. So thank you so much, uh, Bruce, for sh- sharing your your story that the stuff you wish you knew earlier and uh yeah hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode where we can d- deep dive on some of these topics so thanks so much bruce thanks lutis take care thanks for joining us on the swike stuff i wish i knew earlier the podcast if you like the podcast please subscribe on itunes stitcher or wherever you found this podcast and if you can give us a review that would be very appreciated Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.